Hello and welcome to this PSG Think Big series podcast. In this program, Bruce Whitfield speaks to Tandin Zimandi about the future of the Solidarity Fund. Welcome to our Think Big series brought to you by PSG. I'm Christoph Brugger, Group Financial Manager at PSG. PSG is a leading financial services group with an extensive national footprint in South Africa and a presence in Namibia. We've been in operation since 1998 and pride ourselves on providing a bigger picture approach to our clients' financial needs, from asset and wealth management to short-term insurance. We offer clients a wide range of insurance and investment products based on comprehensive advice. Our clients benefit from access to proprietary products and solutions, as well as a comprehensive list of third-party products. The FinTech series is a collection of dialogues with leading speakers hosted by award-winning financial journalist, Bruce Whitfield. We aim to bring our audience independent insights that help them formulate their own opinions on some of the country's most pressing issues. Uncertainty and challenges continue to be abound, but armed with knowledge, we are better equipped to chart the way forward. Our social media campaign is hashtag ThinkBigPSG. This series is free, shareable, and open to anyone interested, whether you are a PSG client or not. The Solidarity Fund was created following the COVID-19 pandemic to help drive a consolidated response from the general public, civil society, public and private sectors. The fund's response focus on health and vaccine rollout initiatives and humanitarian and behavioral <clears throat> change projects. PSG, as part of our response to assist in minimizing the impact of COVID-19 on society, also donated to the Solidarity Fund. I'm therefore really looking forward to today's discussion. In today's session, Bruce talks to Tandi Nzamandi, CEO of the Solidarity Fund, about her career journey, current projects, and what comes next for the fund. Prior to her role at the fund, Tandi was the CFO of Chapter One Innovation Brokerage, a business model, research, and development firm. She's a chartered accountant and started her post articles career as a corporate finance advisor at Deutsche Bank. Following that, she acquired and ran a small business in the postal and courier industry for four years. During that period, she did work for WDB Investment Holdings, a women's empowerment company, where she eventually spent 14 years as the chief financial officer. She is a board member of First Round, a trustee of the First Round Empowerment Foundation, and a fellow of the African Leadership Initiative. So without further delay, over to you, Bruce. Gustav, thank you very much indeed. Tandy, good to see you. How long have you been in the job as chief executive of, of the fund? Almost a year now, Bruce. Almost a year. Started at the end of October last year. Unbelievable, uh, I think. No, it's been, a, it's been a huge ride, of course. I mean, it was a three-week lockdown, and then it was all going to be over. Uh, we've learned since then, of course, uh, that nothing could have been further from the truth. And what I think amazed most South Africans was the speed with which uh, the fund was created. And it was quite extraordinary to see in those early days the huge funds coming in from big name donors and then of course from many many thousands of companies and individuals as well no it was it was an exceptional um feat that was um achieved at that time the number of people who just were like hands on deck we're locked down we've got to do something we're facing something we've never faced together and we've got to face it together um 
those with resources in, in terms of, of money has brought in tremendous amounts of money. Um, and tremendous may not necessarily mean large amounts in terms of what the person is able to give, but tremendous to that person's purse. Um, so there were those who gave significant amounts of money. We have we had a donation of, of a billion rand and that was amazing. And we also had donations of one rand, two rand on our, on our crowdfunding platforms. And that was just amazing. Just people saying, we want to help. We are that facing was, something and we perhaps, want to but Perhaps help. what was more extraordinary than just the money was just how corporate South Africa stepped up to the plate as well. And people like Gloria Serobe and A.D. Enthoven and many, many others put up their hands and said, what can we do? You know, we're not busy enough. So let's give more hours in the day and volunteer. And it was that spirit of volunteerism, which I think was the thing that made it stand out uh, right from the very beginning. That, that was extraordinary. Um, the Gloria Sirobe, A.D. Enthoven, uh, Martin Kingston, a whole lot of people from a whole variety of companies. It was just, people saying a whole lot of CEOs who will remain unnamed because there were quite, quite a number of them um, who just put up their hands and put in the time. And I mean, I recall talking to the team that was there at the beginning and they were just saying, look, the one guy was like, I didn't see the front, my front door for three weeks solid. <laughs> never got there <laughs> because it was essentially 24 almost 24 hours on the clock um it had it was that hectic at the beginning it was that hectic thankfully it has slowed down since then i don't think i would have survived a year of it um and i, I i'm sure this is why Domkita was needed a break <laughs> at the end of october she was like no no, exactly right. I mean, and again, at the beginning, it was a fund that was there to bridge a gap, I think, between what the state could do um, and what the public sector could do. And it was this wonderful meeting of the minds and meeting of need and meeting of, of an opportunity to collaborate um, that was realized after years and years and years of government and business and labor um, shouting at each other, occasionally talking to each other in loud voices, even sometimes being civil, suddenly there was a mutual goal, there was a mutual enemy, and everybody had to band together to collaborate. And I think that sets up potential models for the future, doesn't it? Definitely does, Bruce. I think what it did was it showed what was possible when actually we're all looking at the same thing and we're all reaching for the same thing. Um, and more often than not, we are actually reaching for the same thing, just in different ways. So this was a, a, a demonstration effect almost. That I, I, if there's positives that we're going to pull out of the COVID experience, I think this is one huge positive for, the, for South Africa, where business alongside government, alongside civil society, alongside labor, everybody working together, because we can we can but unfortunately what happens in times like this Tandy, and we know it whether it be the 1995 rugby world cup whether it be hosting the world cup in 2010 <laughs> whether it be covid is we all come together in this sort of miracle opportunity and we succeed and we excel and we shoot the lights out we pat ourselves and sometimes even each other on the back 
And not long after that, we kind of forget the lessons and we go back to our old bad habits. Is there anything that has happened through this process that becomes permanent? I think one of the changes, I hope, one of the changes that will come will be in the way that the conversations continue. And like one of the things that is different, I think, about COVID is that it unfortunately, but um, in, in, in this particular case, um, fortunately, has had a longer um, period in the space. And as a result, the conversations have had to hold on and there have had to be positive conversations, conversations of collaboration rather than confrontation, um, which I think have, is, a, is a very different flavor and has, con has continued now for almost a year um, in, in, in the COVID space. This pro process, the fund, the Solidarity Fund was set up with all the very best intentions, of course, and uh, people donated their time and donated their money. And not long into the process, we start seeing the corruption and the frauds happening in PPE fraud and all of this sort of stuff, the tender frauds. And we all know what happened in the health departments with um, digital vibes, for example. Those relationships, I think, have been quite tested tested very, very hard, um, tested very, very hard. I think I'd be surprised if there wasn't a single, you know, if the whole of South Africa wasn't just hard, heartbroken, anguished, angry um, at the fact that the people who would take advantage in a situation such as we had found ourselves really under threat by something that none of us can control. And yet there are people who feel that in that kind of situation, their pockets are more important than people's lives. So yes, it has been a testing space. We have been very, very fortunate that in terms of the solidarity fund role, we have been able to lean quite heavily on the governance that was put into place right at the beginning. And that governance has has actually proven that it it it, it held with rigor mm. and the solidarity fund was not found wanting in that space there was no corruption within the solidarity fund. and that's all well and good but south africans are i think you know quite resilient i think we're quite tough we anticipate that there will be a level of corruption in many levels of society but surely it has undermined the goodwill um, that existed at the beginning of this process. People go, well, I don't care who I donate money to. I just, yeah, I can't keep throwing good money after bad. No, no, we've, and, and we've encountered that. We've encountered that. Um, so I'll, I'll give you an example of that kind of experience from the Solidarity Fine point of view was, um, somebody who was saying let's call it maybe february and we were looking to fundraise for the vaccine rollout um and the response was you guys gave money to COVID, nothing and to covax um nothing's come out of that uh, you you wasting money um we're not sure about you fortunately they came around um mm. but it just meant that the conversations around work that is really important did become much harder because of the corruption of other people. The environment changed. 
How did you turn that conversation around? What did you do that brought people back to the center to say, hold on a second, all right, fine. Yes, there's been corruption, but it's been in isolated pockets, mostly public sector. Um, how did you manage to turn that opinion around? Because it was a big job. That's a big job. Fortunately, I have great colleagues, so there were a few conversations. Um, but essentially, it was to demonstrate that their understanding of what COVAX did and when COVAX was due to deliver was perhaps mistaken. It was also back to that point I was making about governance um, and saying that within the Solidarity Fund, the work that we're doing and the rigor that we have, and the reporting we do to, to is, is to ensure that people are kept apprised of um, what we're doing and we, we're transparent as much as possible um, in, 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 in how we do things. So a lot of people don't appreciate that we actually have a lot of reports on our website, detailed, fairly detailed reports. Maybe people don't enjoy reading such detailed reports, but um, I think it does give uh, some reassurance when there is doubt that there is a place where I can go and look and we are very open we happy to um talk to people and I think that's that was essentially the turnaround we opened up and the the gentleman in question spoke to a few people in the in in, in the stable and was was able to conclude that his money will still be well spent there's always a need for a solidarity fund in South Africa. We always have humanitarian crises of various levels of desperation, whether it be child hunger, whether it be ill-performing schools, whether it be a, a COVID-19 outbreak. Um, is the vision to keep the solidarity fund going almost as if a, a support mechanism for when you know, we really get into trouble? Or is there a, a termination date in mind for the solidarity? Um, it's an ongoing question. It's an ongoing question, Bruce. So the Solidarity Fund was formed with a particular crisis in mind, which is the COVID um, pandemic. Um, we have since seen the, the July unrest and that mandate was added to the Solidarity Fund um, to respond to, 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 to that particular incident. At this stage, I think it's 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 hard to put a line in the sand and say the Solidarity Fund will continue one way or another. However, we are comfortable that um, either way, there are always people who are well placed um, to respond to, particularly the the crises that are unfortunately more sustained. If, if we can have a sustained crisis. Um, I think that the Solidarity Fund played a very particular particular role in a, in a space which was an unknown space. The COVID pandemic was so out of the ordinary um, that a, a specific response fund was required. So I but, think the board continues. The COVID crisis itself, Tandy, the COVID crisis itself is not the crisis. Um, you know, nearly 90,000 people have died. Some people got terribly sick. Long COVID is atrocious. Speak to people who are struggling with it. But it is sort of just the beginning. 
Um, if we look at what's happened to our unemployment rates since COVID, it's gone from disastrous to catastrophic, 44% in real terms unemployment in South Africa. Um, the GDP rates are, are recovering, but we're not going to get back to 2019 levels much before even, you know, if you very ambitious, middle of 2023, probably 2024. We're running up government debt. We'll have by 24, 25, probably 5 trillion rand in, in government debt. Um, it, it just feels that the real crisis here is the consequence of COVID, the consequence of the slowdown, the inability to dig ourselves out of the hole quickly um, is perhaps the long running crisis, the long running consequence of COVID. Perhaps in there, is a long-term role for something like the Solidarity Fund. Would you agree? I I, I would, Bruce. I, I mean, I think the, the impact of the pandemic has, has just been terrible. I, I, have, I have no real proper word to describe it um, in the way it has impacted people in, in, in so many different ways. I, I am conscious that um, we're part of the global experience here um and that that global experience others have come through uh particularly the the the, the wealthier nations have come through um nobody's come through unscathed but they will they will they will recover much quicker i think we will have scarring for a long long time to come um, and in that, I think the responses will come not from single organizations, but we actually have to take collective responsibility. And we have to be in the spaces where we can make a difference. It is really important that we do. Collective I responsibility is a wonderful, it's not my problem solution to everything. Um, there's a, a former registrar of, of banks at the Reserve Bank many years ago, a guy called Errol Kruger, in the days when banks were, were loved joint ventures and people were doing joint, weird and wonderful joint ventures with each other in the hope that it would generate future revenues. And he said, you know what, joint ventures are about Sama Varken, working together. And you know what the problem is with Sama Varken? Once Sam in Yever, we're together and you work. Both parties think the other one is actually going to do the work. And that's the trouble with saying we must take collective responsibility. It sounds very nice and it is true, but this crisis and, and after this crisis needs real leadership. We're not getting it from politics. Politicians are too busy fighting with each other and trying to um, you know, the game of one-upmanship of politics. Surely there's a long-term place for, you know, gifted givers can't do everything. <laughs> there's a long-term place for a collaborative corporate effort? I, I think there is, Bruce. I think I think you're right. I think you, you're right. There is an um, opportunity for people to hide um, when, you, when you go into a collective space, um, responsibility space. I think, you know, um, corporates will come together. And I think, you know, platforms such as B4SA may or may not continue i'm not sure what what their plans are um i know they disbanded and they came back together again so i think that kind of platform will be will be critical in in in, in responding i i agree with you that um we, we have a paucity of leadership most unfortunately 
um, and and the the green shoots that we have sometimes are, are just beyond our sight, so we we can't see that leadership. So we must have um, a beacon head that 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 leads. I'm not sure though that that is necessarily the solidarity fund. Um, I think, as I was saying before, SA and and um, business organisations might actually have a better be better placed um, to lead on something like that. And I where the solidarity fund I think is important is that is the collaborative space um, because. When we look at when I'm talking about businesses, then I'm just talking about the business leadership. But I think it's quite important that, as much as there's a lot of trouble and a lot of difficulty in the in the public sector, you want to bring the public sector along because it has significant reach, um, and you want to bring labour and civil society along. So, I think uh, um, we might even go back to something, although the, I mean. Truth be told, I don't know if it yielded anything, but if you recall, some time back there was a um, what was it called? Now I've forgotten what it was called, but it, it was an effort around uh, initially. Actually, most recently, it was about work, about employment. Mm -hmm. um, there was a platform that came together. We're having this middle-aged moment, um, but it's okay. Most of our viewers will have this moment as well, and they're shouting at our screens, and um, I wish they would just pop up a little message uh, that would tell us. <laughs> um, but it, it was basically creating youth employment opportunities, the YES service, the youth employment the yes service. And uh, 61,000 jobs, opportunities the created. job summit. This called the jobs summit. <laughs> this is, but again, this is the big political dream. So the president appoints um, an entire team to run the yes campaign, and he says, within three years, we'll create a million jobs, and that's lovely, and that's a nice, big, bold political statement, but it's not grounded in reality, and that's why I just do a future, and I wonder whether or not this greater collaboration of reality checks of opportunities, of great opportunism that the private sector brings. And it's not always, the private sector is far from perfect and far from blameless in many crisis situations. However, what we have seen is that we're better off together than we are tearing each other's eyes out and stabbing each other in the back. Um, I think that much is absolutely clear from the Solidarity Fund experiment. No, I, I think that that much has, has been well demonstrated. Um, and I think that, the, I feel like um, in some ways the Solidarity Fund is a tiny microcosm of NEDLAC um, mm. where people come together and there, I think because the, there's a focused objective as opposed to a um, hundred objectives that are, are, are everybody's trying to, to achieve, you're able to then move forward and maybe that's maybe that's the 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 template maybe that's the template where you have a specific organization formulated on the template as a solidarity fund but focused on a particular thing so as opposed to trying to solve for covid trying to solve for hunger trying to solve for unemployment trying to solve for um water crisis and anything else um 
you just focused on the one thing. And so it is that that particular organization will be carrying through that particular objective um, and not getting distracted um, by perhaps other objectives. The Reserve Bank governor was talking at the um, 100th anniversary of the Reserve Bank just fairly recently. I think it was probably August or September or thereabouts speaking in Stellenbosch, and he gave a very long and very detailed speech in which he was talking about the success of inflation targeting and the need to tighten the inflation target. But in that, in that speech, and it was a fairly long speech, about an hour long, there was one line that leapt out at me and bit me really, really hard. I think it was something like, if everything is a priority, nothing is a priority. And I'm sure you've learned that through the Solidarity Fund as well, because we have so many, so many fires that spring up in South Africa all the time. And we take all of our resources and we spread them really, really, really thinly. We take all our best people, we put one person in every job and nothing works because we don't target our, our issues nearly effectively enough. Would you agree? I, I do think that, that that does become a problem. Um, you, you do need to have that targeted um, approach. When we try to address too many things all at once, we lose, we lose the, the impact of the effort because it's too diffused. Um, so you, I, I, I very much favor being able to prioritize, being clear about that it doesn't mean that other things don't matter. It just means that if you're gonna make headway, you're gonna have to pick on one thing and move that first. And then other things will move in the in the in the in, in the slipstream of, of, of what you've managed to achieve in the first instance. But when you try to achieve, I mean, it's it's try it's it's if you're a student, if you have a child, you're trying your child trying to achieve a hundred percent in everything, um, it's not likely to work. However, when they get the, that um, confidence from having achieved that first 100%, then they've got a bit more energy to put into the second and the third subject and, then, and so on. And it's, 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 it's pretty much the same in, in, in life, in life. There's a fabulous, there are lots of fabulous TED Talks. I saw one recently of a, an American medical doctor, an emergency room doctor, and she was talking about how people should cope with their stresses and cope with stress better and lessons from the emergency room. And this idea of triage where you, somebody's going to die, you deal with them first. Somebody's bleeding, you staunch the bleeding and then get to them next. And if somebody's got a bit of a sniffle, you, you know, is you may be given and in South Africa we, we tend to do that we tend to focus on the big emergencies and we don't focus on the second and third tier stuff nearly enough until it becomes an emergency later on and this comes down to a failure of planning um, we've got this wonderful document created about 10 years ago called the National Development Plan, and I know that it exists because I saw its logo on my vaccination certificate, but that's the only evidence I have seen of the National Development Plan, probably since Trevor Manuel um, <laughs> uh, left politics in disgust and went into the corporate sector. Um, here we've got the opportunity to use this crisis and to say, how do we reconfigure the plan? Every other country has a plan, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. China does plans in a hundred or thousand years, whatever they do, but they do serious long-term planning and they'll deviate along the way, but they know what the goal is. 
Do we have a goal? Do we have a plan to your mind, Tandy? Do we have a plan to your to your very comment? Yes, we do. We've got the NDP. <laughs> Where, okay, have you seen do, it? We, do we use our plan? Do we reference our plan? Um, I hesitate to say yes to that. Um, I, I I think if we did use our plan, and we we were very disciplined about it, because I think that's 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 where planning really comes in um you'll be distracted by various things and sometimes necessarily so the COVID pandemic you cannot plan for um so it will take you off course but if you are clear about what the course is and if you make that course clear to many people then we all clear that that's what we're working towards if if however you draft a plan and you put it on a shelf then you're as good as have no having no plan. And at the moment, that's how it feels like um, in large measure. In some measures, you can, uh, there's a consistency, like for instance, on industrialization and, and, and that sort of thing. But in, in, in large measure, one just doesn't see the NDP coming through in, in, in guiding what we're doing as a country. Dare I suggest, because it was creative with collective responsibility in mind, it was a case of, it's a guideline, it's a suggestion, it's a route map, which we hope to take. It didn't, it had Trevor Manuel as a champion, but without any authority. Uh, does the National Development Plan need a Pravin Gordon, SARS type focus? Um, and somebody who's, a, who's got the authority to go and bash heads together um, to make people collaborate, make people work together towards a common goal. So I think back to the template of the Solidarity Fund, I think it, it, it would work ex ex exceptionally well if, for instance, you've got the, the planning, um, I'll call it department in, 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 in the presidency. Um, you match that up with other people in business and in, 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 in civil society and in, in yeah. labor. And, and you, you, then you have a consistent measured pace about how we're doing. What are we seeking to achieve this year? This is our 10 year plan. What are we doing this year? What are we doing in five years? Are we moving towards that particular? I think you could, you could get that going, Bruce, but it has to be actively managed. It's not a, it's not a plan, it, no plan can work except when it's actively managed. And, and is led, um, you know, to, to back to the point, the, the point of leadership and absolute leadership, because I just wonder whether in 10 years time, we're streets ahead or whether we're still anguishing about why the rest of the world moved on and we didn't. Um, same as the global financial crisis of 2008 and uh, all the way through till 2010, we bounced back from that very nicely because we didn't have any fundamental issues in South Africa at the time and we did well, but then we bumbled along. We bumbled along and whenever you would talk to somebody like Pravin Gordon, who was finance minister at the time, he'd say it's a global financial crisis, it's external. However, we were imploding internally. Um, and it comes down to that leadership of ensuring that we, we get a future. And that then leads to the structure of, 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 of the fund, the solidarity fund. It requires donors and donations. Is there any way of creating a sustainable structure? Um, a, a structure which then sort of be, almost becomes self-sustaining 
into the future that allows it then to continue to exist because i can only imagine the donor fatigue is set in in a in a very serious way because that's just the way things are it's quite a natural response no it is a natural response and um given the difficulties in the in the economy um a lot of people are are cutting back on 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 spend that is not business core business related so we've definitely encountered um donor fatigue um in terms of self-sustaining the only model i have actually come across which has worked bar those that are of course we if 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 if, if there was um um somebody who would um give an endowment that would be a <laughs> <self-sustaining. laughs> or a few people who would who would choose to endow the fund that that becomes a self-sustaining mechanism the the uh, the only other mechanism has actually come from where I used to work previously in a BE company um, at WDB. So WDB was started as a trust, working with poor rural women. When BE came along, um, the founders had the vision that BE could be used for to to um, benefit the very poor, and and so it was that BE deals were entered into. And so it was that a dividend stream was now part of the makeup and it takes some time. I mean, it, it's, it takes about in a BEE space, some good five, 10 years before you see the, the actual um, financial uh, benefits coming through. But that was, that was um, a model that made WDB trust more self-sustaining and i don't know if <laughs> if shareholders are up to <laughs> that sort of um uh give without the, the 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 legislative backing if you wish um that comes from 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 a bee framework what but, do you think have been the biggest successes what can we take out of the solidarity fund lessons that we can learn that somehow we can utilize better into the future i think by far for me is collaboration focused collaboration for me is by far the biggest lesson i mean we've we've worked closely and i mean relationships are never easy so it's not that the relationships have been easy but the focus has been clear so alongside government along in the good and the bad times alongside um the private sector um negotiating hard for certain things that we we may or may not need um, um alongside labor alongside um communities and and civil society that the model i think of the, of the board of the solidarity fund i think has 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 worked exceptionally well because what you do is you you bring in not just the loudest voices but you bring in the diversity of voices that enable you to hit the best solution because sometimes business will have an idea that um 
this will work best in a particular situation. But in fact, they don't take into consideration because they haven't been exposed to the living conditions or the experience of people. So actually that, that solution that on paper looks fantastic in real life just doesn't work out. But if you've got the right voices around the table, you end up with a solution that is best for the situation in which South Africa exists. Do you worry that the lessons that you've learned from the Solidarity Fund, Solidarity Fund sort of eventually comes to the end of its term because I'm not sure that there is a long-term commitment to it, um, that it, it, it's done its job, it's ticked the boxes and everyone's very happy and one day you close the doors and the volunteers go back to their day jobs, they go back home before midnight, they get reacquainted with their children, the dog doesn't bark at them when they get home uh, and we go back to that sort of normal once again. But that we we forget and we then just go back to business as usual which is lots of sniping pointing fingers and screaming and shouting at each other the, unfor the unfortunate truth is that that is a possibility because i think human beings and south africans have shown time and again that they don't learn, necessarily learn from history, <laughs> no matter how sharp, no matter how bad, no matter how good. Um, we, we seem to want to go through experiences time and again. So I think it would be an abs absolute pity if this, the, the template of the Solidarity Fund was lost. I do think that there's a possibility, unless we can embed it in, in some of the planning processes that we're talking about. So how do we achieve that? Let's wrap up with that. Because, um, from, from this, we, we, you know, it, it's, it's just so awful that, you know, the likelihood is um, COVID eventually dissipates to a point where we don't have to wear masks anymore and um, we can, you know, we, we can go back to having parties and gatherings and all that sort of stuff but that we, we, we do forget um, very valuable lessons and the lessons of collaboration, the lessons of teamwork, the lessons of in it together is better than, you know, trying to sort of muddle about on, in, in the shallows all the time. What do we need to do, Tadley, to your mind? How would you like to see this legacy continue and be fulfilled? Tough question, tough, tough question, but I'll give it a shot. Um, I think it, it is starting to look at the issues that we currently face in the country. For instance, we there's, there's the, the issue of um, unemployment is, is one that you know we're all aware of. That is perhaps something that can be done in that kind of format, where there is something or a body that comes together in the format of a, of a solidarity fund. And it would be great to come, I mean, I mean I, I'm aware of the presidential um, youth employment initiative um, due to some of the other work I do. It would be amazing to get that initiative perhaps bolstered with um, a significant, more significant presence of and formalize perhaps business pro, um, presence um, alongside maybe uh, um, labor and, and civil society. 
and just say that this is the one thing that we are all focusing on. It, it could as well be education because the impact of um, COVID on education has been uh, has been debilitating, I think. I think it's it's really broken it. Well, um, edu ed education needed to be broken because it was, I mean, every survey, I've just been recently looking at lots of the data and every survey in the world, if we're not rock bottom, we're in the bottom five uh, or 10% of any survey done in education in the last five years, it needed to be broken. And perhaps this is the opportunity that COVID brings, it says we need to restructure this thing um, and, and need to resurrect it in a, in a brand new format because fundamentally it wasn't working. And now it has yeah. been properly, properly dismantled and kids are going to school for two and three days a week. Um, and you know, that sort of stuff is a shambles. So many people feel helpless, Tandy. I know I said last question, but last, last question. So many people feel helpless. And I think what the Solidarity Fund has done more than anything else, other than raising the money and buying the PPE equipment and doing the good work that it did, what it did was provide a rallying point and provide something to do. There was an action that could be taken. The sense of hopelessness that exists in society, again, amplified in those July riots where you know, it started slowly and then snowballed. And before we knew, large parts of KZN and parts of Gauteng were on fire. And it had felt, it felt like Armageddon had, had finally arrived. It's almost as if it was inevitable and now it's happened. And, and that sense of hopelessness and helplessness is what is so debilitating. Surely if the Solidarity Fund has done one thing, it has taught us that actually it's not hopeless, um, that that collaborative effort can make a difference and properly directed can continue to in the future. No, absolutely, Bruce. Absolutely. And I, I, I'll go back to the point that I was making that in the spaces that you are in, and literally this is on an individual basis, if if you if the only people you influence are your mother and father or the, <laughs> or your kids and wherever you are you actually can make such a huge difference just by behaving in a way there is an answer here i have an answer there is a possibility of framing an answer together let's work on it and let's see what the possibilities are I think where helplessness and hopelessness sets in completely is when there is absolute despair and there is nobody saying, I see a bit of light. I can lead towards that light, no matter how small that light is, but I can see that light. And so it's important for each one of us to just say, I do have a bit of power. I do have something that I can do that can make a difference. I mean, one of the things that has always amazed me, Bruce, is that amongst very poor people, when there is hunger, they will share. So certainly between you and I, we have more than half a loaf together. <laughs> Whatever that half a loaf looks like, whether it's time, whether it's a hug, whether it's a smile, just encouragement. We can, each one of us, do something. We really can. Tandin Zamanda, thank you very much indeed. Uh, amongst the many things that she does, she is the Chief Executive of the Solidarity Fund. Tandi, thank you for your time today. Gustav, back to you.
Thank you, Bruce and Tandy, for that very insightful and sincere conversation. Tandy, your career journey and vision for hope serves as an inspiration to all of us. It's very uplifting to hear about people and organizations that are proactively making a difference in society. We wish you well in your leadership role at the Solidarity Fund and look forward to the continued positive impact of the fund and society at large in response to the COVID-19 pandemic in South Africa. A skilled and trusted financial advisor can be invaluable during these uncertain times. They can provide objective insights and help you consider alternative scenarios so that you can make considered rational decisions on your wealth and insurance portfolios. If you have an advisor, I encourage you to engage with them. And if you don't, please get in touch with us. We welcome your feedback, so please communicate with us. And be sure to register for our next exciting speaker in the Think Big series. Thank you for joining us for this PSG Think Big series podcast. Please do look out for more titles in this series.